didn't know hey, that. Hey, Jace, do you know what they say in the furniture industry? Uh, 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 Chairs. Uh, <laughs> Chairs. <laughs> Chairs, guys. Chairs. Chairs. <laughs> Jace here. Just a quick note about this Pocket Liquor episode. This was recorded way back in September 2019 and not released until the end of October. So some of the dates may seem a little weird. It just took me a long time to get this episode edited and kind of cut together. Uh, Hope you enjoy it. Uh, We had so much fun recording with Megan, and uh, I think it's a great show. So without further ado, episode 13 of Pocket Liquor. You guys want knocking underberg out? Yeah, we have to. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. It's always the most awkward, like, 11 seconds of the show. <laughs> Welcome back to Pocket Liquor, everyone. Welcome back, guys. We're super excited to be here. I'm Jace McConnell. I'm Brandon Plyler. We haven't announced ourselves on the show for, like, the last seven episodes, so in case you forgot who you're listening to. Uh, more importantly, we have Megan DeShane here. Hello. She is working on making some hotel room uh, old fashions for us. We're very excited. Um. <laughs> it's a blend. No, it's a nice blend of fancy, a nice blend of field conditions, nice blend of uh, some awesome angels in the bourbon. Um, there might be some sugar packets from the coffee station here in the hotel room They're absolutely happening. Not. Uh, there also might be some fancy bitters from her bar kit happening. Um, very exciting to report on how this cocktail is going. <laughs> yes, so, I'm very excited for yeah, it. Thank ba- you. I mean, just just for everyone listening at home, which is all of you, uh, tell us like what what's your where we are. Okay, with some background. Me and Megan just got done judging a cocktail competition for the Savannah Food and Wine Festival, the semifinals. Uh, so we've been doing that since like one o'clock. Yes. It's now, what, six? Uh, how, how many entries into that cocktail competition were you guys kind of eyeballing? Like 20-ish? Yeah, roughly 20-ish. There were yeah. uh, four categories today, and bartenders had the privilege of entering into as many as they felt confident to do. Um, some had lots of entries. Some had few entries. Yeah, there were a few no-shows, um, but that's, that's all fine and well. By the time we'd gotten through, you know, I don't know. 15 or so uh, we turned the air conditioner off in the hotel that was a good move um yeah by the time we got through like 15 or so you you, you kind of get a little weary but we had a break so we got, <laughs> we got speak the, for yourself brother you know. so so <laughs> i i wasn't i wasn't there for the competition so for me obvious question how much of those cocktails did you guys consume uh, you couldn't have consumed like a full a full measure with each time so uh what did that look like? Well, Megan actually drank all of hers. It's true. Uh, no, we we, <laughs> we both, uh, like, I mean, honestly, you know, once you get, like, the, uh, like, what it looks like, you know, the appearance, and you, you've kind of seen them make this drink, and you get a little bit of the aroma, you taste it a couple times, like, you, you take probably, I don't know, what do you say, like, four or five sips, tops? Yeah, like, I think a couple sips just to get to know her, yeah. see how she is, a few, uh, few more sips just to see how she likes it, you know, yeah. just enough. 
Just enough. Just enough. Just enough to get a good feel. How so? How um, how does presentation and like the visual? Uh, how does that play into judging a cocktail competition? I well, Chase, uh, speak up too. But I think it's it's huge. People drink with their eyes uh, before they drink with their the rest of themselves. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Much so like when you're plating a, a dish, it's really important that your plating is attractive. That all your your salsas and your jus are all right. Um, but at the end of the day, what really matters is, is how delicious is it. And one of the questions on the judging criteria is, would you order a second? And I think we all were kind of very pleased with that question because that's important. You know, this is a, a cocktail for the Food and Wine Festival where you're really trying to deliver a drink that's delicious for a crowd. So even though um, some of the drinks really brought to the table some very interesting esoteric uh, flavor combinations, um, like stuff that we could nerd out about. Yeah, we loved, but, but yeah, it wasn't really, you know. The folks who are visiting Savannah for the first time, maybe coming to the the wine and food festival they have here, we had, you, it was tough to judge because there were some that I was like, wow, this is something I would love to have at like a high end cocktail bar, you know, underground in the dark. But and at the end of the day, this is for a big event at you know during the uh, during the festival, so we kind of had to. It's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky, but I mean, it's really hard. Honestly, I gotta say, Savannah really brought really it. Really delicious. Yeah, yeah, it was very impressive. I know that um, sometimes Savannah gets overshadowed by Charleston in the cocktail world, and you know, Charleston gets overshadowed by the rest of the country. Um, but I was very impressed by the talent and a lot of um, the bartenders that were in each of the categories uh, represented in multiple categories, and each of their drinks were very unique in perspective. Um, although I could still see their signature, you know, I could tell that. This cocktail was created by this chick because I, I could taste it in the cocktail. Right. Yeah, that, and that's something I, I really that's appreciate. Because, cool. yeah. I, I, you know, you go to somewhere like, I, maybe it's not the case all the time, but I've, I've been to, like, New York sometimes, and I feel like all the cocktails are just copying each other sometimes. And it's hard, actually. When we're, when we're trying it, maybe you can speak to this, too. It's, there's a lot of um, truth to be said about classic formulas, and there's a reason that these, these recipes that were invented – you know, anywhere from 25 to 150 years ago, there's a reason they've stood the test of time. And I think that there's, you know, much like many forms of art, there's a lot of replication and yep. reinvention. And sometimes the wheel is always um, different, but the same. Um, but in this case, it was really refreshing. And I think that the points of views that were brought to the table today were all just, you know, really special. And gosh, Savannah, give it up for yourselves. You yeah, really, you really brought it. It's. I mean, I'm. I'm from Savannah originally. I grew up here. Jay's and, give up. And yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> like that's from the time that I, you know, lived here. I even I worked downtown. Never actually worked in a restaurant here, but uh, from what I saw then, and you know, to what what we're seeing now, uh, the growth is like exponential. It's an, it's incredible. There's some of my favorite bars in the world are are right here in in our in our backyard in Savannah. So it's it's been really fun, I, and I've been judging the same competition uh, for I don't know three or four years now, and I'm telling you the growth, the the talent, the like it, it's it's just gone through the roof. There's there's really cool things going on down here. So um, if you ever get the chance to come hang out in Savannah, there's more than enough to have a good time. Plus, this is like this is one of the best drinking towns in the country. I don't think a lot of people realize. We always assume like oh you think of like. You know, New York, Chicago, New Orleans, you know, San Francisco, those are all like, those are the drinking towns. But Savannah has an open, like, container policy or right. open container law. You can drink on the streets. Like, <laughs> Which it's, is, yeah, very, it's, very, very new for us. It's yeah, not it's, it's super fun. In many places. Um, 
I'm not saying you should come here for St. Patrick's Day. Please don't. You'll get a bad impression. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's a really magical town. Uh, downtown is just really pretty, super walkable. Um, and every it seems like every week there's a new awesome place opening up. So anyway, we're here. We're here. With Paca Liquor and Megan DeShane from Savannah. Woo! Um, and... She's made some cocktails for us, so let's talk about what we got going on here, Megan. Sure, brother. Well, this is just a very um, simple old-fashioned. We used, like you mentioned before, we used the uh, handy-dandy sugar packets found in any hotel coffee bar. Um, some cherry bark bitters from Bitterman's, which has a really nice um, vanilla characteristic as well. Which Those really are some of my, better, my, my favorite bitters on the planet. It's, it's awesome. I love it in all the things. It works really well with all kinds of spirits, too, if you want it with um, gin or, you know, traditionally clear beverages. Um, it's great. And then um, just a simple orange twist. So, fellas. Um, and we. And, and I think oh, I didn't mention the most important ingredient. It's important. To, well, it, well, obviously, <laughs> the bourbon is very important. I'll let you talk about that. But we are also using like non fancy kind of shitty hotel ice, which if you are traveling, you're staying in a hotel room. I almost always travel with a bottle of something uh, in my bag and it is going into a glass, be it actual glass or plastic and kind of <laughs> shitty hotel ice we had to get and these glasses from the uh, from the hotel bar yeah, it wasn't yeah, they, in our they, room already they were borrowed from there <laughs> thank you so much hilton uh, garden Inn. we love you so yeah so so just so you know i mean fancy like ice is a big deal and fancy ice does make a great cocktail but uh you know field conditions i mean if you're out and about and you need a cocktail this is kind of where you're living and you can be extremely happy uh and very you know I don't know. Fancy. I like it. Fancy. Yeah. Well, cheers, y'all. Thank, cheers. Thank you, cheers, guys. Thank you so much. So I apologize. Uh, the, the bourbon that we are featuring in this old-fashioned is Angel's Envy uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon finished in port wine barrels. Nice. Cheers. Hell yeah. That's excellent. That's an excellent cocktail. Thank you. So, I mean, not bad for shitty sugar and shitty ice. And Is it okay to say shitty? Yes. I think you're okay. fine. Okay. And this is a great cocktail. Shitty, cocktail shitty, 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 shitty. Absolutely not shitty. Don't you fucking say that again. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. So, so, so just kind of just a point of like clarification or, uh, for everyone listening at home. Um, bourbon, as we know, has to be aged in like new, you know, charred American oak. What uh, what's the deal with this like port barrel finishing? Like, is this a new element? Is this like a legal thing? Can this happen? Yeah. Uh, so thanks for asking that. Actually, recently the laws have changed in uh, the United States. So bourbon as a heritage spirit, for for many 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 years, I mean, just about a century, was made exactly the same way with, you know, with slight variations, but almost the exact same mash bill. And that's obviously or not obviously, but that's the formula of the grains that goes into the distillate. Um, and they all have to be aged in brand new white American oak. Um, there is no minimum age statement for bourbon. So you can literally put um, a brand new distillate in a brand new barrel for one day and technically call it bourbon. But is it a good bourbon? Definitely not. Um, but in Angel's Envy's case, um, this was a spirit that was crafted by Lincoln Henderson, who is... Um, no longer with us, but he is a legend in the bourbon heritage. He yeah, it's um, a big deal. Yeah, yeah he Absolutely. his name's on the bottle. It's very um, very much a pride point for the brand. Um, so essentially, the story goes: Wes Henderson, his son, uh, did not have any business in the whiskey industry. He um, very much was successful in other trades, and his father was with Brown Foreman for um, just under four decades. So any of the specialty spheres that came out of Brown Foreman, um, you know, any of the specialty Jack, so like Jack Single Barrel or Gentleman Jack, 
um, any of the um, special uh, lines or skews from Old Forester while he was there or um, a lot of what Woodford is as we know it today, that is definitely under the thumbprint and signature of uh, Lincoln Henderson. And he was honored by Kentucky and inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. Um, but then he retired and uh, very much deservingly so. He, he made his mark in the trade and uh, then hung up his uh, whiskey, um, what do they call it, whiskey thief? <laughs> what do you call oh, this? Oh, yeah, the thing, right. the, the little yeah, you know, stuff out of the barrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, think that, I think that's right. Yeah. So he, he hung up his uh, accoutrement and uh, he retired. And then his son, recognizing, but he didn't get rid of his turkey baster. He's been seen. Uh, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> you can find that more on information on Reddit. Um, so yeah, so his son uh, Wes, who had no business in the whiskey industry at that point, recognized just how big of a mistake that was and somehow convinced Lincoln to go back into the trade. And one of the things that Lincoln uh, reportedly was very, very interested in studying and exploring more of was this um, experimental finishing. So uh, prior to Angel's Envy, um, I don't know of any other uh, bourbon on the market before Angel's that was experimenting on a, on a large scale with experimental uh, secondary finishes. But that was one of the things he was always curious about with his um, business with Brown Foreman. But because of bourbon being such a standard traditional this is how we make it and this is how we've made it and this is what i drink and i only drink this and that's kind of how bourbon is anyway it's like most of it's bourbon made, was i would well, say Well, okay it's how bourbon was you know pretty much everything's made by uh, i mean maybe seven eight different distilleries right uh legally it's restricted into these places and you know I, I, the conversation with bourbon pretty much comes down to generally um grain bill age and proof how strong it is. And those are the talking points. And one of the things, you know, that I, I think that I'm really into, uh, like Scottish whiskey, is this kind of barrel finishing thing of we are going to use, you know, port, Madeira, sherry, things like that. Um, and that helps make those whiskeys extremely interesting. Yeah, um, using those barrels that have been, that have held other juice. Th th so that have held those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. seasoned. Yeah. Making those, like, I mean, they're very unique and they're kind of worth seeking out and very interesting. So, uh, I'm very glad that we have this whiskey here in front of us today. Yeah, so he didn't know um, exactly at that time that he wanted to um, commit to the port wine as the secondary barrel finish. Um, they did all kinds of experiments, and they just landed on port as being the most delicious of the um, secondary maturations. Um, reportedly, he's uh, you guys know what the Angel share is? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we do, but well, enlighten yes, we this do. for you know our listening sure. uh, fans. Is so it? Uh, when, you're, when you're aging... It's not it, the share that... Plyler gets no he's no that. angel that's the devil's share I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so uh reportedly so sorry y'all we'll, we'll cut that all out sorry <laughs> when I went to bed last night <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're aging something in wood and we we got to make the point wood is what makes bourbon so delicious I mean we can talk all day about um the mash bills and the process in which the distillate is made and whether it's a column still or whether it's a combination of pot and column still but at the end of the day the coloring, um, the flavor profile from the vanilla, the spice, all of that is coming from the delicious white American oak. So in the case of Angel's Envy, it's no different. And for, before it gets aged in the port wine barrel, it gets anywhere from four to six years. But uh, the Angel's share is actually the, the part of the distillate that is lost through evaporation. And depending on how, how long it's maturing and how hot that climate is, uh, you can lose anywhere between a 5% and and 40% yield of that spirit. 
So reportedly, Lincoln Henderson was tasting this Angels that was finished on the port wine cask, and he was like, "Damn, this is the Angels will be envious of this." Um, that's not how he sounds. I'm totally just making that up, but I'm gonna assume. Hey, I'm gonna assume he says, "Damn, that's <laughs> that's some good <laughs> juice." <laughs> you heard it here first. That's exactly. That's how he said. You he heard it here first. Like. Quote me. From Megan Deshane of Angels Envy. <laughs> uh, and for those of you at home who don't know, um, one of the really fun things um, that I've learned in working in the bourbon trade is at how to read bottles. So there's a lot of um, a lot of tricks that certain spirit makers use with marketing, um, and you know words like small batch are often uh, tossed around. and And that's not to say that they're not necessarily uh, being truthful with what a small batch is, but Really, there is no uh, government standard as far as that meaning four barrels or four thousand barrels. Uh, for for some uh, bourbon production, you know, they're they're producing thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of barrels on on the daily, and so for them, maybe a thousand uh, barrel batch is a small batch. But things that you should know, um, if there's any sort of uh, demarcation of location, Kentucky means it's made in Kentucky. Although we should all know at home, doesn't have to be made in Kentucky, but we do know that the best juice does come from Kentucky. If it says straight, this is one that I think everyone should know. Straight. Straight means it's aged at least uh, two years. All right. So if it doesn't say straight, then you can definitely know that it is less than two years because there's no bourbon maker in the world who would not put straight on his label if it wasn't straight. Finally, if it's less than uh, four years old, it must say an age statement. So if it is less than four years old, there are some makers that will say um, aged less than a certain threshold which is a little tricky way of saying not four years old uh but just so you know um angels envy it's kentucky straight bourbon uh, there is no age statement it is between four and six years old before it sees that second maturation and it sees anywhere between uh, six and about 11 months on the port wine cask we have um one main vendor for the barrels but it's um not necessarily one vintner uh, really just depends on the amount that we can get and so that that like some people like okay, so it's between what did you say six and eleven months or five and eleven months on the port in the port? Yeah. Um, so does it does it just like you guys are tasting that along the way um, to kind of figure out when you've got enough of that port character, or is it like a blend of different things? Or I'm yeah, just, I, just I'm curious. not privileged enough to taste it, but yes, it is is definitely being calibrated um, by the palates of actually the Henderson family. So okay. um, Wes's son Kyle is the master distiller and blender at um, the dis distillery now in Louisville and he is definitely giving the final say but yeah obviously as a brand it's super important to be consistent we want the the guests who are drinking the booze to really know that they can rely on this being a consistent and balanced product so yeah about about that much uh so so I I mean uh we should totally talk about like just just for a minute what port wine is um sure and kind of like how that affects the flavor of bourbon like how how like where does that come from? Because this kind of marriage of bourbon and port wine, um, that's not an accidental thing. Like those things have very complementary flavors. Uh, they can be both very complex and nuanced. So uh, how did you guys settle on like port barrels, port wine? How does that work? Um, well, there was a lot of experimentation. Um, you know, much like you referenced earlier, the European traditions of uh, secondary maturations, there has been a, a long-standing history of using alternative finishes. Um, so there's all kinds of options with uh, sherry is a very popular one. Um, oftentimes you'll see wine barrels being used in secondary finishes, either um, Chardonnay I've seen sometimes, uh, Sauterne 
Makes it a yeah, delicious yeah, finish. Yeah, Glimmerangi. I've had their sauternes. It's amazing. Actually, um, what Whistlepig, their Old World, is a blend of three, and one of, of them like is sauternes. Right. That's I've had really the privilege cool. of tasting just the Salterne Whistle Pig. No shit. No I've never shit. Had that. I have a I, bottle at my house. I'd love I, to share mm, you some. I didn't even know that was a thing. Damn. Uh, it's not a thing. It was actually only used in kind of experiment and just uh, finding what the market liked. Well, and they ultimately that's blended. fancy. We'll stay friends, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we, uh, I mean, one, one of my favorite whiskeys in the world is the Balvini 14 year that is finished in rum cask. The Caribbean rum oh, cask. Yeah, mm, man. I, I know another uh, finished mm. in rum cask. Oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> Segway. So, <laughs> so, so if you guys are listening, that's you know, my birth. That's my Christmas present to myself every year. Is about right. being fourteen. A of that. If anyone wants to get my own Christmas present for me, <laughs> you can get my email at pocketlicker at gmail.com. Anyway, continue. Full time. So, so, so a lot of this tradition um, comes from uh, whiskey producers in the UK, uh, in Scotland, uh, where things would be shipped from continental Europe. Uh, that were wines, uh, wines, brandies, you know, whatever. Uh, they were shipped in barrels to England. A merchant or even a private person would have bought the barrel and bottled that kind of on their own. Uh, and after that happens, you have this empty port barrel, this empty sherry barrel, this empty Sauterne or Bordeaux, you know, in- enter in any sort of wine barrel. So something kind of has to happen with that. And they started putting whiskey in those barrels and yeah, in the way back, that kind of started uh, the wheels turning on this whole tradition, and uh, I think it's fascinating. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it. We talked about this on the last episode uh, with Lindsay, or not the last, but the second last. We released two episodes at once, so to me it's one thing. But uh, <laughs> So, like, we talked about how, yeah, we have these empty wine casks, which is just how things are shipped, and eventually, like, you just stick with it because it tastes good. Um, we talked about how... You know, those those extra barrels would be shipped and, you know, used by someone else, maybe someone making whiskey, which the distillation process, you know, over time gets refined every generation. So the better that the distillate that's going into those barrels, the better that's coming out of it. So it makes a lot of sense that as whiskey is becoming a more and more and more predominant thing as like grain rich America, the United States is, you know, coming on the on the market and, you know, world trade. It makes sense that you see some whiskeys, you know, starting to be played around. And it also makes sense that guys who can't get those barrels and have American oak in abundance are like, wait a minute, we need to slap some rules on this shit. So <laughs> we can't have just like anyone coming into our, you know, taking a bite out of our whiskey market with, you know, rum or cider or scotch or brandy or anything. So let's make sure that we're, we're kind of protecting what we've got going on here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's the American way. So what is Portugal, <laughs> my wine dude? What is Portugal? Oh, well, that's a country. Pause. What, 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 what is, is port? What is port? So port is... I'm going to hit that beer again. <clears throat> That's great. Uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, I'll take uh, European countries for 200, Alex. For 200 you win! Is, what is so, a country that is next to Spain? So, yeah, so Portugal sorry, sorry. is... This country is next to Spain. I'm, so, I'm sorry, okay, so <laughs> Portugal is, like, kind of next to Spain, but it's like this chunk of land that is basically the Spanish Atlantic It's the California coast. of Spain. Uh, California or even oh, yeah. like the panhandle of Florida, <laughs> which is basically a big... No, no, no. Wait, Spain is the panhandle of Florida it, of Europe. It is the whole... <laughs> listen, Florida is the... Italy is the Florida Let me see a map. Of, if we're listen, just talking about how it looks. But, but we, we, I mean, Chile is the same way. I mean, it yeah. is basically like, okay, Argentina, we want all of your Pacific coastline. And this is what we're going to... We're on this side of the mountain. And this is what we're going to take. And here's yeah. our country. And, and we're on this side of the mountain. What are you going to fucking do hey, about And we it? have Love all of Chile. it. So, so it's a whole thing. So, so port wines, 
Um, generally are made from red. <laughs> we just we just spun the globe on our guests and like the no whole, one. The whole <laughs> everyone stopped thing. listening. Not, not Mega, but like people listening. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, that little that little ten second fast we're, forward we're, button. You need to you need to pound that like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Get past this fucking bullshit. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, so port wine, um, red wine grapes, uh, the Douro Valley, D O U R O. I think the Douro Valley. Uh, they began to fortify the wines, which is. They begin fermentation with the wine, but they will spike that with a clear, neutral brandy that will halt fermentation, that leaves residual sugar in the wine, uh, but also makes it kind of impervious to like shipping. So if you're trying to move barrels of this wine around the world, uh, port wine, Madeira is the same way, sherry is also similar as far as big fortified wines go. You can move these things around and they won't go bad or spoil. Uh, because no fermentation from any spoilage bacteria or yeast is going to happen there. Yes. That's yeah, something that, like that. So you take this stuff, you have it in a barrel for however many, and port gets aged for a long time, typically. Like five years is kind of like, sort of like where you start seeing, you know, really nice port. So imagine this wood is being soaked in this kind of sweet, you know, obviously extremely fruit expressive yeah. juice for a long time. And then they've got it hollowed out. They send it to our friends at Angel, Angel's Envy, and they finish their bourbon in it. So what you have is a very dynamic whiskey that's very interesting. And if you're looking for something new on your shelf, because, listen, I've been drinking bourbon a long time. I've dry, I've had a lot of different things. It starts kind of tasting the same. This shit's all the same, about. dude. Yeah. It's, <laughs> this, uh, this, this stuff is really <laughs> fun to try um, by itself. It's delicious in this cocktail as well. Thanks. Um, so That's one of the reasons you. why I love Angel's. Um, because I let's say I'm a practiced whiskey drinker. Are you saying you're practiced? I'm saying my doctor knows about it. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's so special for those people who are very well versed in um, bourbon as a category or whiskey as the larger category, it's it's still offers a lot of dynamic uh, nuance. Um, that port contributes, obviously, a lot of candied fruit and spice. And do you need some more to taste? Yes, uh, the answer is yes. Please, please, right now, that would pop be great. The bottle. Uh, so it's really great because it does offer a lot of nuance in the form of um, candied fruit or chocolate or baking spices. But for those people who are maybe just, uh, let's say, dipping their toes in the brown water category. Stop doing that. I uh, will dip my wanna, toes in all the brown we water. We don't want your toes in our whiskey. My toes are there. Just, sorry. Just just joking. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> my toes are loud. I, I just Everyone else's toes. I just, I just judge a cocktail competition. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're free trade toes. Okay, it's so fun. anyway, what I was going to say is... <laughs> I'm sorry, Megan. Keep going. You're doing great. Well, what's great about it is it, it really is kind of a more gentler bourbon in that regard. It does have a lot of that residual um, sugars that you can appreciate from a port wine being in kind of a dessert wine category. Uh, we use a port wine from uh, Duero that's a ruby. So mm -hmm. absolutely um, not necessarily right. one of the more drier of the categories. It's going to be a little more um, sweet on the palate. It does come to us par filled. Part of that is to... Uh, keep the integrity of the barrel Correct. so it doesn't yeah, dry you, out. You've got to keep it wet, otherwise Absolutely. it all separates. And yeah, you hear that? you got to keep leaks. it wet. The <laughs> barrel will totally fall apart if it's not wet. The rings will slip. Yep. Right. Uh, the staves start to fall apart, and, yeah, it's not happy. I've got a, I've got a burn barrel that uh, – a used wet. one in my in my living room that we use as, like, a TV stand. Or we used to. But now it's just kind of a table. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if you don't – like, obviously it's not full of liquid. Do you, like, so mist it or something? Or? Nope, nope. I just uh, have to – every every couple months I flip it over and I hammer the rings back on because oh, they just okay. fall to the floor. Because it's sitting on end to end, not like on its side. That'd be weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've got this big barrel, and I love it. It's it's awesome. It's an old Elijah Craig barrel. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. 
No, cool. no worries. That was that was that was on my song and dance. I did it. Yeah. Um, so, all right, Megan, Talk you me. are the bar manager at Door Brothers. Yeah. In Charleston, it's my new favorite bar. I mean, it's uh, you guys are doing. It, you're you're hitting every every notch uh, uh, to the nth degree. Uh, I've what's that? My wife Tiffany's here. What are you doing? She loves it. Our our producer Tiffany is uh, also uh, yeah, expressing <laughs> her love of Door Brothers, which yeah, man. Thanks, man. I really cocktail, that, that really like coming cozy, from you, man. Cool that's a impressing that's me huge. is nothing. Impressing her is something else. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, Tiffany, yes, I want to always impress you as well. But um, Jace is, in case the listening audience doesn't know just how awesome Jace is, he is first of all awesome. But they're, they're listening to the show already, Megan. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hey, Jace's mom. Your kid's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Megan. That's very sweet. That's like way too. Sweet. Also, Jace's dad. Um, <clears throat> your kid's awesome. Yes. Well done. They're, well, my parents are awesome. Um, so <laughs> Plyler, you're doing okay. Um, uh, my but I parents do appreciate don't it. have the internet. Mm. <laughs> How do I so, Google? A? <laughs> so uh, I've I've uh, I've I've sort of started like two cocktail programs on my own, and like, well, not on my own. That's that's not the wrong word to say. But like, I, let me put it this way: I I know how impossibly hard it can be to open a place. You. Door Brothers has been open for how long now? We'll be celebrating a year in December, actually. So just shy of one year, but it's been a full year, full one half of a year. What? <laughs> for any, I mean, and you've done this is not your first rodeo by any means with this. You've you've done this at other places. Yeah. What? Uh, if you had to pick one thing, well, not one. Don't don't pick one thing. Pick some things. What do people not realize about how difficult and interesting and in depth it is to open a bar with a beverage program on the level of someone like you with the beverage with the cocktails and the spirit selection and all that stuff entail from and scratch i mean really um, from ground up yeah yeah well look what's i mean something, what's something that people maybe not see like from the you know outside looking in uh that's a great question that, that's something that i wish i had known beforehand so i could have thought of a better answer but um i think that i think you know and I'm you're on smart lad. basically my heart is about to speak so listen up world megan the jane's heart speaking um one thing that I, I i truly feel very passionate about and this is one of the things that i try to drive home to my teams that i work with whether it's store brothers or whether you know when we open 492 one of the things that i i really truly believe is that we serve people first uh and drink second so no matter what we're doing whatever the space is whatever caliber of cocktails we're serving what matters most is making connections with our guests and making friends so when it comes to the space of door brothers it was really unique because we um inherited this this location which is a gorgeous spot it was completely redesigned by jonathan door's wife marinella she is a fantastic designer she's actually based in um seattle and this was her first charleston uh concept which was amazing and we are constantly hearing that um, that it reminds people of cocktail bars in new york it's it's small i mean we comfortably seat like 40 people it's got dark walls and beautiful interior but um all of that aside, what was more important than anything was is really delivering an experience that we could be um, accessible and making friends. So, you know, when you're building a menu, I think our first gesture of hospitality is uh, the menu itself. So not having um, drinks that are overly complicated. And not, that's not to say that maybe sometimes we don't have drinks that are compound cocktails that have maybe 
seven, eight, nine, whatever ingredients, maybe we're not going to list them all because it's not my my responsibility to you as the guest to make you feel overwhelmed by that long list of ingredients. I and love that. I, it's important. I mean, I want you to feel comfortable. And I we also have a policy, a strict, very strict policy of there's no commitments with our drinks. I like to joke, actually, this is funny. I used to joke that um, not every... Um, cocktail fits everybody and cocktails are like jeans and blah 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 and i had this guy one day he's like that's not true i'm always 32 32 <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter who's like, making them jeans hey brother uh, are you a 32 32 and gap as well like i don't know but <laughs> but the point is that we we like to be experimental and weird and we have something for everyone we have those drinks that are maybe a little more um a little more easy breezy and approachable and a little more complex and nuanced and if you don't like it I we can still be friends the point is I want you to enjoy yourself and enjoy your drink and come back and say hello I I I'm gonna give you a high five right here yeah because that <laughs> is like everyone needs a dose of that I think and I think a lot of people are doing that well you especially thank you um and yeah the the there's nothing worse to me, I feel like, than you know, someone who's sitting there just trying to churn through a drink that they clearly hate, but they're scared to tell the bartender that because they're like, yeah, this is based on my mom's recipe of uh, stroganoff. So I took the, <laughs> I took the uh, you know, the essence of beef and cream and onions and I made it. By the way, it anyone out there who wants to make a stroganoff cocktail, I'm in. Uh, Find I'm, me. In, I'm in for that also. You guys make, uh, is it a Gibson that you make with the uh, the onion? Oh, yeah. we. So uh, it's not on the menu anymore, but we will always have the dopest Gibson fixings in town. Uh, Jonathan Dorr, who is the namesake of the space, uh, is also the chef. Um, he makes a fantastic um pickled onion brine and we have our own like pickled cocktail onions but yeah we also do a lot of cool stuff because he is um super involved in the cocktail program Jonathan Dorr is like um definitely a chef by trade but super passionate about cocktails and his expressions are evident in every single drink on the menu uh, one of which most evident is our Dorr Brothers Manhattan so right now it's featuring um a foie gras brown butter and green onion in combination with chinar and madeira so it sounds completely bizarre and off the wall. And I like to refer to it as like the Bloody Mary of Manhattans. But we, we simply add the seared fogwa to a local whiskey, actually Virgil Cane. If you guys haven't tried it, it's quite tasty. Uh, so we add the Virgil Cane rye, brown butter, and fat wash it all. Uh, and then mix that with a chinar and Madeira. And it is like savory flavor umami bomb. It's an umami. I also like to tell there people. There we go. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, you're, you're right. I've, uh, you know, messing around with like foie gras, like in cocktails and fat washing and all that stuff, which is something that I've, I don't, I don't mess with too much because of, you know, I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> But, but also, it, the it kind really of clientele, does. you guys are doing crazy volume. Like I said, we have 40 seats. You guys are doing like 14 times the volume. <laughs> I will let that continue to be my excuse. Um, so I, I, I have done like the, the foie gras, like washed cognac. I call it foignac, which is fun. <laughs> foignac, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's good. It's, it's all very good. It's oh, delicious. The dad in me approves. Don't. Don't be, uh, don't be, don't be scared of this Manhattan that she's making down there. I've, I've had but also, like I said, like it's not for everyone, and so we totally embrace that, and we want people to experiment and try it. And if they are interested and intrigued, fuck yeah, order one. And you know what? If it's not for you, cool. Let me make you something that you do love yeah. because that's what it's about. It's about enjoying yourself. You know, like I was saying, like someone sitting at the bar, like trying to struggle through a drink they don't like. That is, that's so, so much worse than, well, not anything, but like. 
please tell me if you don't like something because my my job is to make you happy and right. a smile on your face and a wow this is delicious that's gonna make my day and night and morning better like some guy who's like clearly uh, i'm just not drinking a drink and then ordering another drink on top of it instead of saying something i i really try to make sure everyone knows please just yeah Plus, I, I i mean i i can totally and, and there's also there's I also somebody said for like don't if, if you don't like something, don't like spit it out and say this fucking sucks. You know, like <laughs> yeah. be, be nice hey, about uh, it. The golden rule is don't be a dick. First of all, yeah, yeah, we, all of we all yeah. can agree on that. You definitely need to give it a shot. But I, yeah. I've certainly been in several places where there's a, uh, you know, there's a take on a classic cocktail and it's like, okay, here's our Manhattan. And I'm like, okay, so maybe rye, maybe bourbon, maybe cognac, if they're going to dig back into the past, um, you know, vermouth and everything else that kind of goes along with that. And it's like, well, you know, we didn't use whiskey. We used mezcal, which is fine. I love mezcal, but that is not what goes into a Manhattan. And, you know, we use, you know, habanero oil that goes into it. And that's fine. I like peppers, I like some spicy things, but that's not really what you kind of created. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't don't try and sell me a Manhattan if it's not right. pretty close to a Manhattan. And that's I'm a whole other rabbit hole you're going down I, right now, I'm guys. Totally paid, you I'm guys saying, are like, you guys are going down a rabbit I'm hole saying, right now. I've, I've, I've totally paid <laughs> I'll go this, with you. Are we this, going? This is, like our, this is a rabbit hole show. Oh, okay, I don't know. cool. Let's go. Like 12, 14 bucks for a Don't call a drink a classic like, name like, unless it's the classic like ingredients. That's the rule. That right there. You heard it from Megan. Yeah. And then we put habanero. I'm like, what in the fuck am I getting into? It's very strange. And this happens all the time in the beer world where there is a style. IPA goes a something that is very marketable and the brewer will do anything else to it that they want. And here's what you have. And they're just trying to Yeah, that. so, you know, like, say, like, oh, we're calling this a Goza, but is it brewed with salt and coriander? Sure. No? And then are is we... 12% alcohol? Yeah, are we... No, <laughs> we're not... We're not. You're not anywhere within the lines of being able to call it that. I, I, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're... If you're adding a bunch of, like, ginger beer or something like that on, like, crushed ice and calling it you're ripping on old-fashioned, no, you're making a fucking mule. <laughs> right, like, exactly right, there's, yeah. There's... There are that lines. reminds me of the aviation there, variation today. There, mm. <laughs> it was a last mm. word. It was a last word variation. It was a fucking margarita, dude. <laughs> but, I mean, a last word to, towards a margarita. All right, we could go on and on. <laughs> Let's nerd out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's nothing in common with it. Nothing. Anyway. Um, you should but, do this. People are listening to this program <laughs> to, in fact, nerd out. <laughs> so... Megan, I'm still here. <laughs> we're still here with Megan DeShane, Doe Brothers. I'm having a great time. We're having such a good time. Uh, so much of a good time. We want to keep talking about cool stuff. Cool. Um, so you've opened this bar and yeah. uh, you're working with Angel's Envy. Angel's Envy is a brand that we like not only because they make delicious juice, but they also have a really cool uh, program that uh, helps us all out in the long run. Uh, good for the environment. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll tell you. You guys listening? You ready? 
Well, it, we're recording, so. Oh, yes. okay, cool. Oh, Here we, we are go. definitely listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, cool. uh, we're doing Toast the Trees. So every September, which also happens to be Bourbon Heritage Month, which, by the way, drink more bourbon. Um, in partnership with the Arbor Day Foundation, Angels Envy partners to commit to plant white oak trees. So basically, it's a social media campaign where they're asking their consumers, their drinkers, their bartenders, etc., to uh, drink their Angels Envy and post pictures on social media via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you use. Oh, and wait. So we should do that. We we should. In we, fact, we will. we will. I've already been live tweeting. Oh. Except I don't tweet. Uh, well, same thing. Oh. We all know. What I've been mean. live posting. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, every every single hashtag, toast the trees. That's T-O-A-S-T-T-H-E-T-R-E-E-S. Exactly how it sounds. Every single hashtag, the brand commits to planting one white American oak tree. Okay, so for this whole time I thought toast the trees meant start forest fires. No, I always thought it meant like I'm, I'm totally smoke joking. a doobie. I thought it meant drink in the forest and talk to the trees. Nah, dude, nah, we dude. All on weird page. You here. guys, this we're in our sixth year, so you're really late to the game. But also, we, we, we super are. We're like ramping up crazy. Like the very first year, we only had 2,500 hashtags used it wasn't uh, it was ae for the trees for many years and um 2500 trees were planted then but now we're in our sixth year and um the goal this year is thirty thousand trees and we are we're still shy of that number by a long shot so well what are we at i, I don't know actually honestly i can't calculate i can see on instagram and instagram says that we are at uh 10 5 but also we're counting facebook and also twitter that's, so we went from, what was the first number you said? 2,500, 2,500. 2,500. Yeah, on Instagram alone. That's fucking awesome. It is, in fact, fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything I could use more of in my life, it's trees. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Like, one of the reasons I love hanging out here in Savannah so much is there's trees everywhere like throughout Old, downtown beautiful trees but yes. also everyone should know that it takes 60 to 70 years for these oak trees to mature and oak trees not only is it legally required for uh bourbon production but oak is so very delicious for bourbon because of its cellular structure allowing for the appropriate um infusion if you will all the all the lignans in the tree is what gives oak it's i'm sorry bourbon it's delicious uh, vanilla characteristic so um, now more than ever, if you guys are drinking, please just post a hashtag toast the trees because every it's the least you could, it's the do. least you could do, but really it does make a difference. The brand actually commits to it. We actually do go out to Kentucky and plant these trees. I unfortunately wasn't with a brand in time to do it this last session when they planted just over 20,000 trees from our 2500 in our first year 20,000 trees and by the way i need to mention these aren't like seedlings these are saplings so they're already mature trees that in another they're gonna make it yeah in another 50 years they will be harvested um and produced into delicious oak barrels so if anyone out there is complaining about the shortage of your favorite bourbon you gotta understand that there's there are a couple things that you can't just pull out of thin air you can make you can make quote-unquote whiskey out of any kind of grain you can find around. We have so much of that. What you can't do is speed up time that it takes in the barrel, and you can't create more barrels. Right. There's a barrel shortage on top of all of this, and it's it's I mean it's tied directly to uh, the fact that barrels are hard to make, obviously. Yeah. And 
hard to make well. And the oak that, you know, we want to use for these barrels is is hard to source. Think about this. One one tree produces anywhere between two to three barrels. Which one is tree. One tree. One only tree. produces two to three barrels. And the you Let know what sinks in. And that tree takes you uh, sixty years. Sixty to seventy years. One tree, two to three barrels. Correct. And then that barrel takes for uh, like we for talked about straight bourbon whiskey takes at least two years. Two years. But the stuff that you're probably like super interested. The in stuff you love, is, is four to six years. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And what's really interesting too is you know, and we we're talking about this this bourbon trade, the the barrels. The coopers, the trade of building the barrels and piecing it together, which, by the way, can that ever be mechanized because barrels, in order to preserve the quality of the spirit, you can't use any glue or adhesive or nails. So you have these people, and the entire line is non-mechanized. You have people at every stage of that process and raising that barrel, which, by the way, takes 60 to 70 years to produce the wood to <laughs> cut down. It's exactly. just wild it's my it blows my freaking mind you guys so please if you're drinking bourbon um angels envy please drink that but also if you know whatever if you're not just drink just hashtag toast whatever the trees. hashtag toast the trees just, just fucking do it put me to work i'm trying to plant thirty thousand trees in the spring by the way we are doing this it's happening if you want to come you can come i'm i'm there you w- want to come when's, yeah when's let's it do it yeah, um yeah, in the spring yeah. i'll let you know i'll send you an evite no, no pocket liquor i'll be there with 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 with, <laughs> with microphones on. oh my gosh yeah, reporting well. live oh, <laughs> oh are you kidding me yeah i have overalls i never wear them i mean we're yeah fuck yeah we're there. all right i'm yes. gonna see you guys in the daniel boone national forest come six months from now mm-hmm. Thirty thousand trees hashtag toast to trees with angels in me please and thank you you heard it here, fo- here, folks. Uh, if anyone <laughs> wants to donate to our uh, plane tickets and hotel accommodations, you can get in touch with us at pocketlicker at gmail.com. <laughs> if, any, if anyone has any, you know, um, Ozark Trail kind of jokes of us taking a, um, I don't know, wagon there, that's not going to work. We don't have eight months to get there. Nope, we sure don't. Uh, we have six months, and uh, we have stuff to do in between there now. Megan. <laughs> This has been nothing but an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with uh, me and Plyler yeah, and my wife. Thank you so much. You guys, yeah. thank and, you so much. And thank and you, producer Tiffany. Woo, woo. Uh, yeah. Hey, you, you guys, so what did the tree do when the bank closed? Oh, my God. It started its own branch. Oh, Holy shit. shit. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pocket Ligger, folks. Um, we well, this is this has been like the most fun, fucking the most fun this ever. This is the most fun we've. It's had. the first time that someone. No, else no, has no. Made no. A Everyone else who's been on the show, they had. don't mean yeah, it. Right. They don't mean it. No, I mean, okay, it's not the most fun. It's been. Pretty there was fun. a lot of there was a lot of bourbon. Well, <laughs> we also judged a cocktail competition before we started this. And, True. And you're the first one to like actually make a cocktail for us on the show. Yeah, oh well, one. anytime, I literally. I, I think I've tomorrow. Made, you good? I don't even know if I've made a cocktail on the show. Maybe once. Pouring rum doesn't count as a making a cocktail. Can right? I open this final underberg for you oh, guys? Oh, yes. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. We should this to- we to- to- totally off. knock this out with an underberg. And some yeasty croissant? Well, <laughs> there's supposed to be that texture where they, you know, <laughs> listen, it's like it's glue on the inside and on the outside, it's, it's a whole thing. It's, yeah. All right. Well, cool. <laughs> Cheers to glue and all the things. Yes. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.